Here's today's God Heals Hurting Marriages with Charlene Steinkamp. Hi, this is Charlene. This is going to be an exciting podcast as we're going to do questions and answers. And Lori is with me today to help me with them. I have been really touched by your questions And I am really excited to share many of these answers that are going to be from our story and from the Word. You might want to grab some paper and pencil and write some notes. I'm going to share a scripture for you today that is very special to me, and I pray it will encourage you. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these men and women who have written these questions. Lord, we ask that you would touch many people and give them hope and encouragement and that you will heal that wounded heart that is bleeding. And we pray you will increase their faith, their hope and trust in you. And I pray you remove all the fear and the unbelief that they're battling. And we will just give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do to their hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first question asks, how did you hold on? How did you keep loving Bob despite all the hurt and the loss that he had caused you? And did you have any days that you felt like giving up? Well, I'll answer the last question first. And yes, you will have good days, good hours, good minutes, and then you'll have maybe a bad time. Um, I can tell you that if you've heard or listened to any of my CDs or MP3s or the podcast, you will hear that there were nights that I just cried. Every night I would stop and make time for the Lord, no matter how late it was, I would definitely do it every night. And I would read at least one chapter of a psalm or whatever my reading was for that day. When I would read the Word... It would soften my heart and would just seem to minister to me. And I would think of all the circumstances I was looking at and facing, and I would start crying and asking the Lord, help me, help me. I don't know what to do. And that is what he wants you to do. You're going to have days and moments that you will feel discouragement or depression, but I'm telling you, pray for God to touch you and to give you faith, hope, and just say, Lord, Remove these thoughts from my mind. Look up 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, where we can learn to take captive our thoughts, and that will help you tremendously. How did I love my husband when he was doing so many things unchristlike? Um, is an excellent question because I hated Bob when I divorced him. I hated him. I gave up on God and gave up on Bob. I stopped looking at Bob's behavior and listening and receiving all the words that he was saying to me of the evilness, of the words, I never loved you, or I hate you, or it's your fault that this has happened. Instead, when the Lord started taking me down this spiritual journey, and this is a spiritual journey, that he started teaching me that I had to take captive my thoughts and not let the enemy speak negativity and receive it. I had to know that it was not Jesus talking, it was the enemy tempting me and speaking to me instead. The Lord taught me 
that I needed to love my husband as Jesus loves all sinners. Regardless of what they are doing, I was to love him as Jesus sees him. And Jesus sees him completed in the end. Let me read 1 Corinthians 13. My question to you is, are you loving your spouse unconditionally? That is your goal. And it's called agape love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not even rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. The Lord had that lift off the page for me and said, you kept a record of wrongs for 20 years and reminded Bob about them. And so right there was an example the Lord kept saying to me, keep no record of wrongs from yesterday or the day before. Forget them. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. Go to verse 13 now. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. If you are battling anger, bitterness, and hatred, ask the Lord to remove the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and ask him to fill you up with his agape love. It will change your life. And one thing I would add to that also is that if you are focusing on your spouse's shortfalls, that's going to be all that you see. So every day, think about what your spouse has done right. Think about the spouse that you married or what made you fall in love with that person. Think about the person that you know that your husband or wife can be. And don't focus on what they're doing to you right now, but focus on the things, the way God sees them, the attributes that God loves about them. The next question is, my wife has been gone for several years and my pastor and counselor and other friends say that it's time I should move on. I don't feel like I hear from God and I'm not sure what to do. I can totally understand what they're saying to you and how confusing that might be as my pastor was the one who told me to get divorced and my counselor. And at the time I was hurting so much, I did it. You may not know my story, but I divorced Bob and about two to three months later, the Lord sent a couple to my church and they shared their testimony And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you gave up on Bob and me, and I am going to restore your marriage. He just knocked on my shoulder and spoke to my heart, and I knew that it was God speaking to me, saying, I am going to restore your marriage. There is going to be not too many people that are going to ever agree with what you're doing. You can listen to all the opinions, but you must go to the Lord and listen to his voice speaking to you to do something that may seem impossible to the world, but he has a plan and a purpose, and he can do it. It is exactly like Noah building the ark. He has chosen you to fight for your marriage. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. 
Seek the Lord. He will speak to you. Which Bible verses were important to you when you were standing, and how did God speak to you through them? There are so many verses that the Lord gave me as I was reading my Bible that it is amazing, and I want that for all of you. I want you to be able to memorize a few of them, that you will be able to say them throughout the day, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. First John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. When I was battling my thoughts or battling my emotions, I just hung up the phone from Bob, whatever the circumstances were, I would say, Lord, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then I would automatically go to Isaiah 54. No weapon forged against me will prevail. But I want to read a larger section. I want you to know that you can just say, no weapon forged against me will prevail. And realize that the Lord is going to take all these different scriptures that you have memorized and you will know that you speak God's word. Let me use the example is that when the Lord went on the mountain and the devil came and tempted him in answer to the devil's questions, he said, it is written, and he quoted a scripture. It is written, he quoted a scripture. It is written, he quoted a scripture, and the devil left. The Lord gave me Isaiah 54, verse 4 on near the beginning of my standing. It says above it, a promise for my children. Verse 13, all your sons, which means children, will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. To me, when I was raising my three children alone and had all the responsibilities, that was a promise that the Lord gave me and an awesome scripture that I could stand on and believe. So when the enemy was telling me how bad of a mother I was or I was failing in different areas, I could go to that scripture. The Lord gave me so many scriptures that I loved that I put them on index cards and I would put them in my purse and I would have them in my car and, and at my desk at the office when I was eating lunch. When I was feel like the devil was attacking my mind, I would speak the scriptures like the Lord did. And that's where I learned that from. And it definitely works. Another scripture that is very powerful is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That is very, very powerful promise for you to claim and speak out loud to the Lord. The next question is, how can I continue to believe when I see no signs of change? First of all, you're probably not going to see daily, weekly, maybe even monthly, sometimes signs of change in your husband or wife. The Lord is working on the other side of the mountain, and we are to walk in faith. We're not to walk by sight. So we must just keep on keeping on. It reminds me of going on a marathon 
where we must get prepared and we must do our part and we see no evidence that we could possibly run a marathon. But if you keep on doing what you are doing, you're going to start to see a process of hope that you're getting there. And you've got to trust the Lord and believe that he is working on the other side of that mountain. That is where the word of God and his stories, the Bible characters, will increase your faith. We have to have faith to be able to pray for marriage restoration. If you don't have faith and you don't have hope, you will not be able to do it. The devil will be shooting his fiery darts at you and you will be wounded and there's going to have to be somebody else to come next to you and speak the word to say, get up. You know, you've just been shot, but now the Lord has touched you and he's healing you. And get up and fight back. We're going to know, as it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is being sure, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That means the Lord is going to bless you. As you grow, as you seek him, he is going to bless you in many different ways that you need right at that moment. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. That is what the Lord said to me. I want you to build an ark to save your family, Charlene. And it took him a long time, 120 years. So we have to be persistent and persevere and not look at the day-to-day circumstances or what is going on. We're going to walk by faith, not by sight. The next question comes from a wife who is wondering how I know when to zip the lips. She has contact with her husband and he even attends church with the family, but she's still struggling with knowing what to say and what not to say. This woman's husband knows that she is standing for restoration, but she has not told him any more than that. So she is not even sure if he understands what that means. It is a huge praise that your husband is going to church with you and your family. I cannot tell you how excited you need to be or if your spouse even goes once a month with you. If they come to your house and take you out to dinner and they invite you to go with the children, huge praise. When your husband or wife are coming around and going to church and doing activities with you, the zipping the lips is a lifestyle. It is not just to put on at a certain time and the rest of the time you say anything that you want to come out of your mouth. You need to change your tongue to be a tongue of kindness, of love, of compassion. Zip your lips is saying that we're going to learn to think before we speak 
so that no one would be offended or think you're starting a fight or saying sharp, snappy words or a dig to a husband or a critical word to your children. We're asking the Lord to make us speak and talk like a Christ-like person. And yes, we may get angry, and yes, we may say and blow off and say things we should not say, but hopefully, once you start zipping your lips, you're going to learn that I have to go back and apologize and ask for forgiveness for those unkind words, that you're going to learn that the Lord is going to remind you, you don't need to answer in a negative tone and negative words. Hopefully, when your husband or wife comes home, you're going to flow with love and excitement that they're there. It's not a drill about what they've been doing or where they're going back to. They need to know that you are praying for marriage restoration, that you're standing in the gap, praying for them to come home, that you believe God has spoken to you and that you're waiting forever for them to come home and that God is going to bring them home. You do not have to keep reminding them over and over again because they're going to say, I have my own free will. And they do, but the Lord can touch and change their free will to God's will. What is so exciting is how we see in the process of marriage restoration how God touches and changes us first, and then he touches and changes your husband or wife. And that is the praise report. Enjoy them when they come around, but don't worry about dealing with heavy topics, but have fun with them. Enjoy them. The next question is, how do you get to the place where Jesus is enough? And I want to start by answering that. Have you ever taken your kids to an amusement park and played the game with them where there are little moles coming up through holes and you have a mallet and you have to try to hit the mole as it pops up. And so you're chasing it around, trying to hit it. And if your kids are anything like my kids, most of the time they miss it. So often that's an example of what we do when we're praying for something, whether it's restoration in your marriage or a healing or for a specific situation. We're so busy looking for that one thing that we're missing the big picture. And the big picture is our relationship with Jesus. At the finish line, our healing, the restoration of our marriage, our house that's been paid off, the job you desire, the verdict that you wanted, none of that is at the finish line. The finish line is Jesus, and that's it. And so often, we will have our focus on so many other things that we spin our wheels with our mallet chasing all of these other things and not looking into the face of Jesus. And at the end of the day, he is enough. Whether your marriage is restored, whether healing happens, whether the verdict goes in your favor, whether you get the job you think you deserve or the raise you think you deserve, Jesus is the one that will be there for eternity. And he is enough. And when you can get your eyes off the moles or off the circumstances that you're chasing and fully focused on him, is when all of that other chaos happening around you will not matter anymore. 
Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And joy is what we can have despite our circumstances. So despite what's happening around you, despite what's not happening, you can still be full of joy when we're in the presence of the Lord. And if you are feeling like Jesus is not enough, like you're not hearing from him, like you are questioning why he's not answering your prayer, I would challenge you to really examine your life and decide if you are really spending time in his presence, if you're really spending time in prayer with him, if you're spending time talking to him, if you're spending time in worship, I would really challenge you to look at that finish line and determine if you are staring at Jesus or if you're staring at your circumstances or your spouse or whatever it is that feels like it's taking your focus away. Because when you are in a right relationship with Jesus, all of those other things are extras that will come when he decides it's best and you can fully trust in him and in his timing to handle the circumstances of life. I can say that is 100% correct. You need to surrender your heart and your life each and every day to the Lord and say, this is the day that you have made for me. And I want to serve you in whatever way I can today. Not think of the negatives of all that's going on in your life, but say, Lord, use me today. Use me to be a good mom, good dad. Use me today to be a good employee. Use me to be a good witness today. And at the end of today, do not feel like you failed because your husband or wife has not come home. The Lord created you as a husband and wife, and your husband is incomplete without you. You are incomplete without him. But the Lord knows that. And unless he supernaturally and and brings and, and has that day of an encounter with your husband or with you, changing you, making you to be ready for your husband or wife, then you must take that day as a gift from God and don't waste all these days, months, or maybe years by regrets that you just waited and didn't live a full life that day. Every day is a gift from God. Every day you need to have your children be complete and help them have good memories and not bad memories. Every day you can help one person open the door for somebody in a wheelchair. Every day be more like Jesus and listen to the Lord say, do this, do that. There are so many blessings he can give you each and every day if we will allow to live with the fruit of the Spirit, with the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. And we want to teach our children to know the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. And he may have many assignments for you while you're waiting for your spouse to come home, for you to be a Bible teacher, for you to do many things with children's ministries or with the senior citizens. There are so many things that God's got an assignment for you for right now while you're waiting. Our ministry wants you to have the joy of the Lord and have peace 
in all that you do, the Lord can heal your hurting heart. He can take away your pain. And that is our goal, is to grow spiritually. And you can do it daily, one step at a time, and not worry about tomorrow's, but worry about today's. The next question is, why do prodigals continue to lie even when what they are doing comes to light? When Bob came home that day, suddenly the Lord touched him and he had an encounter with God. In the Bible, John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or abundantly. The devil is the father of all lies. The devil causes deception. He is constantly attacking you and your spouse and tempting your children to choose to do right or wrong. And we're going to live this battle till the day we die and take our last breath. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to understand that when your spouse comes home, it is a process. Do they know Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? They may still not be accepted the Lord and do not know Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. If they do not, they're going to be lying. They're sinners. They cannot speak truth all the time. They're still being tempted by the devil. We all will be tempted by the devil to lie. Your spouse may be living in sin and has hidden sins that you do not know. And a lot of Christians are living a double lifestyle. And that means they have not surrendered their heart to the Lord or they're being tempted. And they're falling into the trap of Satan tempting them. And that is why they're lying. This is where the process of marriage restoration is a process and you will be living through different stages and your spouse may still live a life of not speaking total truth, but you must stay focused on your Lord and you don't debate it. You don't want to confront him. You go to the Lord and pray about it and ask the Lord to reveal his sin that he's doing and pray that the Lord will end up that he comes back or she comes back and says, you know what? I need to confess something. And God can turn things so powerfully around when we pray about it. I would be wounded or hurt by Bob's words so many times or what an argument afterwards. And I just let it go. I just let it go. He would come back either a day or two later and said, I heard on the radio and it reminded me of what I said to you the other night. I am sorry. I should not have said that. And it was a Christian radio that he was listening to. And I thought, my word, you're still working on him. And I was ready to blow up about it at that night. So we have to trust the Lord in things and keep peace in the home and not debate and want to win an argument. Just let go on some of these disagreements. I hope that the questions and the answers that we've gone over today have encouraged you and that you were able to get some help from some of the resources. I wanted to make you aware of a few other resources that you can also check out on our website at rejoiceministries.org. 
under resources, you can find prayer resources. And there are many prayers there to help you pray for your spouse, to pray for your family, the armor of God prayer that you can pray. So check that out sometime. And also visit our bookstore and check out Bob and Charlene's testimony where you can hear more details of their story and how God transformed both of them so their marriage was ultimately restored. Next week, make sure you tune in to hear more questions and answers from Charlene. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.